Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Have you ever looked at someone else and wished that you could achieve what they were able to achieve if only you were as talented or skilled as they were? Well, today our guest is talking about how even if you are not one of the Einsteins of our age, how you can still achieve great things even when you only consider yourself an ordinary person. He's written a book that lays out a number of principles that help even ordinary people achieve extraordinary results. We're going to get to a little bit more about him in just a second, but first... It's great when you have time to listen to podcasts, but sometimes you just need to get straight to the facts. And that's why we've put together the Leadership Action List. It's a year's worth of weekly action steps to improve your leadership. If you want to be a noticeably different leader in one year, this simple but effective resource is for you. Download this list for free at leadershipactionlist.com. Once again, for an entire year of weekly leadership development, go to leadershipactionlist.com. Our guest today is a retired military colonel and a certified financial planner at V Wealth Advisors. He's a West Point graduate who commanded at the company, battalion, and brigade levels. He's a versatile leader with past responsibility at some of America's best companies, including PepsiCo and ConocoPhillips 66. In his new book, An Extraordinarily Ordinary Life, he shows you through his personal story how to continuously reinvent yourself through job loss, family hardship, and a cancer diagnosis to prosper and give back to others. Here is Tim Carlin. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Josh, for having me. Absolutely. So I like to start off every single interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you better as a leader and give us some insight for our own lives. Are you ready for these? Sure. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? You know, knowing that you're going to go through life with some bumps in the road and to continually reinvent yourself. And what I mean by that is getting uncomfortable as you try something different, which eventually helps you reinvent yourself. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is? Someone who reinvents himself or herself in service to others and never stops learning. What's a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? What are the unknown unknowns? What's a book that you would recommend to leaders? I always loved uh, The Once and Future King by T.H. White. I think it has a tremendous amount of lessons in there as it relates to being in other people's shoes. In the case of Wart or King Arthur, it was being transformed into other animals and then trying to survive in that animal's skin. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? I would say uh, never standing still, you know, always trying to improve yourself, learn new things, 
being somewhat fearless and confident and pushing the envelope. When you do things that make you uncomfortable, sometimes you fail and other times you succeed. But really, either way, you learn something that allows you to grow and develop. And finally, we have our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? Better to ask why not. I think uh, when you're on your deathbed, uh, you'll regret the why nots a lot more than the whys. So, Tim, we are here today to talk about your life and lessons you've learned from it, especially through your recently released book, An Extraordinarily Ordinary Life. Could you share with the listeners about your book, An Extraordinarily Ordinary Life? Yeah, I just wanted to write something that would be a legacy piece, first and foremost, for my family, but then also something that the ordinary person could read and identify with. Um, I'm not a national leader. I'm not uh, a retired general officer, per se. I'm not a CEO of an organization, but I'm someone who's lived a life well-lived up to this point, and I wanted that book to be out there in order for not only my family, but others to kind of see where, hey, I can be ordinary, uh, but yet do some really cool and neat things. If I keep my mind open and, and kind of reinvent myself, then I'm not afraid to fail. So one of the things about this juxtaposition between extraordinary and ordinary, and people have, at least a number of people have probably heard that before, but when you talk about extraordinarily ordinary, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is um, the actual ability to live an average, ordinary life, but yet be able to come out of bad situations to reinvent yourself to do some extraordinary things. So what do I mean by that? Well, as a young boy, at some point we're all bullied. How do you come out of that better? And part of what the book describes is learning how to defend yourself through judo, which then parlayed into being a wrestler, which then helped me get into West Point. And, you know, you could have been frustrated and not figured something out to improve yourself. But going through and learning that skill really was a way for me to gain confidence and reinvent myself from someone who got picked on because they were smaller than everyone else and might have looked different at the school I went to, to someone who could take care of themselves and be confident and uh, move forward to the next phase in life. So one of the things you've mentioned a couple different times is reinventing yourself. And I want to get into that in just a second. But before that, it seems like what you're talking about is approaching life with a specific mindset. You mentioned coming out of something better than when you entered into that. Can you talk about how you have developed that? Was that something that was always just a natural instinct for you? Or did you really have to begin developing a, a stronger mindset in order that you could go through an experience and instead of feeling defeated by it, you'd be able to ultimately come out beyond that experience, a better version of yourself? Well, I think, you know, growing up, and, and I write in the book, growing up, uh, blue collar in Buffalo, New York, you know, Buffalo is not a sexy city. It is not Miami. It's not LA. It's not New York City. It's, you know, considered part of the Rust Belt, which during the time I was growing up, uh, wasn't very you know, forward thinking and avant-garde per se. So you would always hear the term shuffle off to Buffalo. 
But within the city, there's a certain hardy work ethic to where you can take snow. You know, we get more snow there than Anchorage, Alaska. There's some years when it snows 323 inches a year, if you can believe it. That's a lot of snow. And when you're growing up there, you learn how to just work through that and continue to shovel. And at that point in time, we didn't have electric snow blowers; We had regular shovels. So I think when you grow up and you're not handed everything, and uh, you grow up and you expect a little bit of hardship and you learn how to fight through that with grit, I think that carries you a long way in other endeavors in life. So I think having gone through that, when you're picked on or if you have a cancer diagnosis or if you have a relationship issue, I think the sooner you go through a tougher time in life and, and learn how to work through that, it really holds you in good stead as you go through tough times in life further on. Would you recommend that people invite difficulty in their lives if they feel like they want to grow, they want to have challenges, but they haven't maybe been introduced to quite as many as they would like to, or maybe quite at the level they would like to? Is that something you'd recommend or just say, hold on to your horses because difficult times are coming and just be prepared for when they do? Yeah, I mean, I, I think stepping out of your box. So one of the principles in the book is be in service to others. And that doesn't necessarily have to be the military. It certainly can be, you know, moving into a poor community and teaching children how to read and write. It could be going into a rural farming area that's distressed and helping with farming. I mean, it could be the Peace Corps in another country. Make yourself uncomfortable to the standpoint if you have to sleep on the floor or sleep on something that's not normally your bed at night, learn a different language how to dress differently, act differently. I think that's something that causes you to reinvent yourself and creates a certain degree of hardship. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. So I personally like to see universal service in the country to everyone. Once they graduate from high schools, they give two years back, whether it's you know, a religious mission, military service, like I said, the Peace Corps overseas or something within our urban cores to where you leave your own city, go to a different city to help out. I think that creates some uh, uncomfortableness when you didn't necessarily have to do that, but you come out of it a better person. So when people here reinvent yourself these days, especially with Instagram, people are are popping up and they are portraying an image of their lives that's not accurate. They are inventing a reality that simply doesn't exist. That's not what you're talking about, and I realize that. But could you talk about what it looks like to reinvent yourself and maybe some key junctures in your life where you realize that you needed to reinvent yourself in order to get to that place that you wanted to get to? Sure. And uh, I think one example certainly would be how – did I go from being a civilian into the military? And having grown up in Buffalo, the son of a police officer and a, and a homemaker, I had no idea what the military was like. I wasn't even in Boy Scouts or Cub Scouts. The closest I came to being involved in the military was doing snow angels on my school lawn, you know, in the middle of winter. Uh, that was kind of the closest I came to living outside, per se, or knowing how to take care of myself. So, you know, going into the military, when you have a history of folks who may have been in that field through their parents and lineage, I think I had to study and learn. And for example, I was going through ranger school at one point, 
and I had to actually learn how to tie a certain number of 14 knots. So I had a mountain climber teach me during my vacation break in order so that I could reinvent myself into becoming a good army ranger. So you have to sometimes work for what you want to get. Land navigation in Buffalo, New York, you know, the street signs are marked and there's red and green lights to tell you when to go and not. Out in the woods and wilderness, you know, you have to learn how to orient back in my day with a compass and a pace count. So, you know, that's really a certain way, you know, to reinvent yourself. I remember growing up in high school, I couldn't drive because my dad was a police officer. So when I went to West Point, they didn't allow you to, to drive until a senior. So senior year, I had to have driver's ed come on board on post to drive me. Now, back then, they had driver's ed cars with a real big flashing yellow sign on top of the hood. And uh, you would know that you were learning how to drive. Today, it's a little more discreet. Well, to make a long story short, after getting teased by being a senior in college, learning how to drive by having that car come on and having all the plebes or the freshmen kind of laugh at me, over time, I learned how to drive a stick shift and learned how to reinvent myself into learning how to drive on the racetrack and having a car to where I could go from not knowing how to drive very late in life to where I'm driving cars at triple digit speeds on a racetrack. So I think if you just leave yourself open to to learn new things and push the envelope and maybe take a little bit of criticism or ridicule at some point to become better later, you know, those are some examples. Another example is going from military to civilian. Oftentimes when someone's in the military for a long period of time, it's a very difficult transition to make. And in my book, I write, you know, one of the most important things in your life is putting your ego on the shelf every so often. So if you're at some point in command of a large group of individuals in the military and then you're transitioning into the restaurant business, of which I did, you have to learn how to make all the products in the restaurant. So you're going to spend time as a dishwasher. You're going to spend time like I did learning how to fry chicken and Kentucky fried chicken and cleaning all the equipment and doing what you need to do until you're able to kind of do the basics and be a leader in that restaurant. So those are just a couple of examples of kind of how you can come out a little bit better on the other side by reinventing yourself. So one of the things you just said is putting your ego on the shelf. But another thing you talk about in your book is punching above your weight. And there are times to figure out, you know, when do I need to be punching above my weight versus putting your my ego on the shelf? And maybe there's uh, some way in which those things play together. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of punching above your weight? One of the things I learned growing up in the military uh, when I was there was that you kind of have when you're starting to like suffer uh, mentally or physically, you have probably 50 to 60 percent more to give. And it becomes kind of a mind game between your your head. So let me talk about punching above your weight from uh, the standpoint of putting your ego on the shelf. One of the transitions I had to make after getting laid off from work and that's one of the things kind of in this day and age we go through in life is how do I transition from the restaurant industry into the financial service industry? And what I learned to do from when I was back in Buffalo by shoveling snow every day, morning, noon, and night when it was snowing, was how do you go door to door and ask people to invest with you? And how do you go repeatedly throughout the day, six or seven days a week, 
so you can build a business sooner rather than later. And I think that's part of where instead of giving in to anger and frustration because I lost my job and I had to transition to this new job and I was in my mid-40s and it's very uncomfortable walking, asking people to do business with you when, on the other hand, you were maybe a brigade commander in the military. I think that's all rolling into how do you put your ego on the shelf and then how do, how do you punch above your weight to push that extra block or that next door until you find someone who's home, who's going to talk to you. And it's not easy because you're, when you're walking in neighborhood, people are working sometimes in the morning, sometimes at night, sometimes during the day. So you have to continually walk that neighborhood. Now in this day and age with COVID, that's a, that's a little more difficult of a challenge, but it's still reasons to how do you put your ego on the shelf and how do you push a little bit further and deeper to where you can get it done? One thing I think would be interesting to hear from you is some of the, these principles that you share in your book, what are some of them that have been most relevant in your life in more recent years? Have you seen some of these become more relevant as you have looked to continue growing? Or have you found that throughout life, these eight areas, they just kind of come and go and, and they're all important fairly equally? Well, I think one of the biggest things now is you know not necessarily following the crowd all the time. That was really important to me because getting stuck in group thing closes your mind to different ideas. And when you can think on your own, you're much more likely to make a better decision. So seeing the whole picture, all 360 degrees, you know, requires keeping an open mind. And I think in today's divided America, we tend not to walk a mile in the other's shoes and see that 360 degree. So when you're in service to others, that forces you to do that, and therefore you're not necessarily following the crowd because you may have had other experiences in your life now by never stop learning, putting your ego on the shelf, doing some different things that make you feel uncomfortable, and then it allows you not to follow the crowd of those folks who may never have been out of their hometown. They may never have been out of their county, and there's certainly some people like that. And that's a really big thing to consider going forward in our country. So if you're going to share with America right now, uh, which we certainly need some input here, if you were to share with people what to do in order not to follow the crowd, would it be to have broader experiences or would you recommend some other things to people? No, I think you're right on target, Josh. I think having broader experiences and not being afraid to fail in not being afraid to reinvent yourself, and most importantly, not being afraid to feel uncomfortable, I think that's the key because, you know, we're, we're so often upset when we're put in situations or areas where we're not in our comfort zone, and the only time you can grow sometimes is when you're out of your comfort zone and you're very uncomfortable. And through the book, when I, I talk about that, whether it's a relationship or being bullied or transitioning from one job to another after you've been laid off, you know, these are all things that are going to happen to us at some point because no one, no one escapes without some of that. And life is very good and very fulfilling and, and wonderful. But at the same time, you know, we just have to keep in the back of our head, everything's not going to be perfect for always. And we need to be aware and keep working at it and be prepared for the unexpected. 
So this is a question that may be a little bit difficult to answer, but I know that sometimes when people write books, they write a book, they send it off to the publisher, and then they think of something else. If you were to add to this list, can you think of anything that you would add as far as quality life principles beyond these these key eight that we've at least touched on today, the being in service to others, never stopping learning, punching above your weight, never standing still, thinking long term, reinventing yourself, not following the crowd, and giving in order to receive? In the relationship piece, it's really important to remember to realize it's never going to be 100%. It's very difficult to get to 100% relationship, whether it's with your children, your parents, or your spouse, or your coworkers. And what you want to try to get to is kind of the 80-20 rule. You can be uh, 80% there and the other 20% can go by the wayside. Oftentimes, we create a lot of stress in ourselves when we're trying to be perfect or have the perfection because then we're not uh, allowing us to be a little uncomfortable. So I think one of the things that I probably should have put in there, which I think is very important, is when we have our expectations, you know, 80-20 is okay. Even this book, I mean, I could have kept refining it and redoing it and trying to get it to 100% perfection, but it would be another five to 15 years before it got out there. And I was perfectly fine to have it at an 80-20% where I wanted it to be. Tim, I'm wondering if there's anything that you would like to share with listeners as we're finishing up the interview today. Anything you'd like to reiterate from what we've talked about today or maybe just something we haven't had a chance to talk about yet? You've covered it pretty much all, Josh. And I think never standing still and always trying to improve and learn new things. For me, you know, one of the things I had to figure out was hey, I needed to um, meet people. And when I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is a lot different than Buffalo, New York, I had to uh, learn how to country Western dance. So in the book, I talk about learning how to country Western dance. And I was uncomfortable because I have two left feet like most of us out there. But I stuck with it. And I then learned a number of different dances because my teacher encouraged me So one of the areas where that paid off, and it's in the book, it's a fascinating story whereby I then interview to be a gentleman host on board the Queen Elizabeth II cruise ship during a round-the-world cruise. It's a a three-and-a-half, four-month cruise, starts in New York and goes to all seven continents, 36 ports of call. And my point being is the trip was completely paid for. I was hired for that three-and-a-half, four-month time frame. And I had to be interviewed to see if I knew how to dance. Well, if I didn't reinvent myself and if I didn't learn country Western dancing, which in and of itself isn't a big deal, but it allowed me to learn all these other dances like salsa, tango, foxtrot. And if I could put my ego on the shelf because I was a military guy and all of a sudden now become a ballroom dancer, I think it opened up a lot of doors and it will open up a lot of doors for you also as listeners if you kind of have that mindset. So I talk about that in the book, and I met some extraordinary people and had some extraordinary experiences by going around the world. And it all happened because I learned how to country dance to meet people, and I got laid off from my job and, and was able to parlay that experience into a wonderful, fabulous trip. Well, you've just done an excellent job of pulling together a lot of the themes we've talked about today. Tim, if people have connected with what you've shared today, where would you like them to go to find out more about you and the work that you're doing as well as your new book? Yeah, not a problem. You can see me at www.linkedin.com backslash in 
backslash Tim Carlin one and all my contact information is there. Perfect. All right, Tim, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Josh. If you'd like to follow up with Tim, you can find links to connect with him in the show notes below. Now let's go ahead and get to today's three key takeaways. The first one is this, put yourself in situations where you'll be uncomfortable as a way to improve yourself. When you put yourself in uncomfortable situations, you are forcing yourself to grow. And I appreciated Tim sharing some examples from his own life. The second key takeaway is this, get yourself to the next level by pushing yourself just a little bit further than you think you need to go. If you think you've gone far enough go a little bit further as a way to get yourself to that next level. And the final key takeaway is this, 80% is okay. It's hard to get anything to 100%. So Tim said, live by that 80-20 principle. 80% is just fine. Now, I want to remind you, if you want a way to continue to improve your own leadership, download the Leadership Action List at leadershipactionlist.com. That's weekly leadership development for an entire year, 52 different action steps to consciously improve your leadership and to help other people around you, including those on your leadership team, to do the same. Once again, download the Leadership Action List at leadershipactionlist.com. Until next time, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.